In the name of Jesus, amen. As I mentioned at the, the start of the service, today is the eighth day, uh, the second Sunday of the great 50 days of the eight uh, Sundays of the of the Easter season. I talked about how we add something, the, the beautiful Paschal candle here to be lit throughout those 50 days. If you were listening or watching closely through the service, you also noticed we subtracted something. Uh, we subtracted the Old Testament reading. Um, we usually have Old Testament epistle gospel, but no Old Testament uh, during the Easter season. Instead, we, we add this reading from the book of Acts. Not sure why we do that, but, but we do. And so no Old Testament, we get Acts instead. And, and Acts is all about the growth and the flourishing of the church after Jesus' death and resurrection, as the Holy Spirit launches the apostles out into the world with the good news of the risen Jesus. And we're going to be looking at these readings from Acts uh, for the season for the season of Easter. Um, we don't go straight through the book of Acts. Again, I'm not sure exactly why that is either, but we, we kind of pop around. And this week, it's, it's Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, we, we drop in on Peter and the apostles having this little confab with the high priest and religious leaders in Jerusalem around the temple. Let's give me, let me give you a, a little background on how we got there uh, before I get to concentrating on what Peter actually said, which is the cool part. You see, ever since the Holy Spirit uh, lit these guys up on Pentecost, uh, they've not, a missed, not missed a chance to talk about Jesus. Uh, their sermons always go something like this. They say, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, you killed him, but God raised him up, and that changes everything. And then they add little things onto that, but that's kind of the, the central core. And as they've been preaching like that, more and more people have been falling in love with Jesus and what he's all about, what that means. And since one of the things that means is falling out of love with the priests and what they have on offer at the temple, well, you can see why they're none too pleased with this incessant yapping about this once dead, but now, they say, alive Jesus fellow. So what do the priests do? Well, well first, uh, a, uh, a stern warning. <laughs> if it was today, maybe it would be a, a strongly worded email. Stop or else. Well, the apostles, uh, they opt for the or else. Continue their yapping, continue their preaching. So the priests come again. This time they, they, uh, they chain them up and take him to jail, throw him in prison. Well, an angel comes to jail at night with the keys, springs him, says, get out there and keep yapping, which they do, continue the preaching about Jesus. And that's where our text comes in. In Acts chapter 5, the priests come to them and say, I thought we told you to stop. To which Peter and the gang respond, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And now, like I said, I think I said, um, one of the great things about Acts is we get all these sermons or at least snippets of what the apostles were saying, what the first Christian sermons uh, a fire with the spirit of the risen Jesus, we're all about. And that's what this is from, from Peter and the gang. God, with a love stronger than death, raised up Jesus, set him at his right hand in charge of everything. And then this, he raised him up 
to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. To give repentance. That's the phrase. You know, when you're reading through the Bible and you come across something which is kind of troublesome, weird turn of phrase, doesn't sound quite right, maybe it's just kind of hard to understand. You know, temptation is just to kind of rush by it and say, ah, well, let that go for now. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that because it's oftentimes at those very spots, the, the weird spots, the hard spots, that the Holy Spirit is speaking most beautifully. And I think this phrase here, one that doesn't sound quite right, is one such occurrence. To give repentance. Just think about that for a second. Easter. Easter at our house, the Easter bunny always shows up and he gives stuff to our kids. Kind of expected things. Chocolate, uh, jelly beans. Uh, son got a cool new little football card game. Some skin rejuvenating facial masks for the, for the others. Easter bunny brings good stuff, gives good stuff to help celebrate the great stuff the Easter Jesus gives. And what's that? What would be in the Easter Jesus basket if you had to make a list? Well, you'd say Jesus gives joy or Jesus gives peace or there's hope in there. There's life. Maybe there's even soul rejuvenating uh, hope of eternal life in there. Stuff like that you'd expect. And repentance. He gives repentance. In fact, it's the first thing that Peter says. And it's not a one-off because six chapters later, he says exactly the same thing, that God gives repentance. That sounds kind of weird. At least it does to me. Repentance, usually you think, at least I do, well, that's the thing that I give. Um, We bring the repentance, the I'm sorry, I messed up, the Lord have mercy. And then Jesus gives the forgiveness. You think so? But that's not what it says here. No, here it says Jesus gives repentance. Which is odd, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. And it's also beautiful and wonderful. And you want it and need it at least as much as all those other things, those other gifts in your Easter Jesus basket. Let me tell you why. Uh, You've probably heard the saying, Sorry is the hardest word in the English language. In fact, depending on your age and your musical tastes, maybe you've even heard Elton John or Barry Manilow or Chicago sing it. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. See, there you go. Now you have heard it. (laughs) It's a song. You can can listen to it on YouTube during the uh, post-sermon hymn if you want to. Why is that? Why is sorry the hardest word? You might uh, you might answer, well, it's because it's really hard to admit when you're wrong. Which, yeah, I guess that's that's true, not untrue. But it's not the whole truth either. I think it's closer to the truth to say it's hard to say I'm sorry because we're afraid of what whoever we say sorry to will do with it. Sorry? Sorry, you say, well, darn right. It's about time, and you ought to be Sorry? And I will never let you forget how sorry you are. And from here until eternity, I will remind you of the fact. 
And I'll do it in subtle and passive-aggressive enough ways so that I can deny I'm reminding you of how sorry you are. But I will do it because you ought to be sorry. (laughs) See? Yeah. Pretty hard to say I'm sorry to that person when that response is coming. It's not just the word or the sentiment, but fear of who you say it to or what whom you say it to will do with it. Now, maybe it's not even fear of someone else responding to your sorry. Maybe you can't take it yourself. <laughs> it's your own little internal conversation that makes I'm sorry so hard. Uh, when you look in the mirror, if you say, now there's a pretty good guy. If my whole identity is wrapped up in being a pretty good guy, as soon as some contrary evidence comes around, what am I going to do? Well, instead of losing that story I tell myself about myself, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure no one sees it. I'll probably just ignore it, the evidence. Hide it from myself with all sorts of weak justifications and paper-thin defense mechanisms. You know what I mean. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Now you've heard the song twice. (laughs) Well, now think of this. Think of someone to whom it's easy to say, I'm sorry. If you can think of someone, maybe you can't, but if you can, that is a person who has given you the gift of repentance. For to give repentance, a weird phrase again, if you think about it, to give repentance means to make it possible for someone to come clean without fear. To be able to see themselves as they really are, to lay it all out there, and then go away without having lost a thing. And that's pretty cool to have. In fact, if you can think of someone to whom it's pretty easy to say, I'm sorry, I bet you really love that person. A lot of folks have been part of 12-step programs talk this way. I found some people there before whom I could lay it all out without anyone gasping. (laughs) They gave me repentance, a place to be honest about myself without fear that someone was going to throw my junk in my face somewhere down the road. They didn't even flinch. And holy cow, once I started, they kept giving me more repentance. I kept coming clean with more stuff and never once did they flinch. (laughs) What if the church, what if our church was like that? You know, at its best, at our best, That's what we are. People who give repentance to one another. Who give the space, the roominess, the lightheartedness, the gentleness, the forgetfulness, the holy amnesia. To make it easy to come clean. And for where all that got started, we need look no further Then that upper room turned into a church that we heard about in our gospel reading. It's Easter evening. The disciples self-quarantining for fear of the Jews. And then the crucified Jew named Jesus shows up. And what does he do? Or better, what doesn't he do? He doesn't say, what were you idiots thinking? Are you lousy sons of guns? Or where were you when I needed you? Or you're never going to live this one down. Or you owe me. He didn't say, what's that, Peter? I'm sorry. 
I bet you're sorry. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Remember that? After all I did for you, I washed your stinking feet. No. No, our Lord doesn't say that. Instead, what are his first words? He says, peace be with you. In fact, in Greek, it's just two words. Peace you. He says, peace you. You don't owe me. I don't love you just so long as you're pretty good guys. You're not. Peace you, he says. I love you because you're my friends. Because you're my brothers. That's what that Friday was all about. Because my risen heart now beats for you. And what was Jesus doing there? He was giving repentance. The space. The freedom. To come clean. That's how you do that. How you make room for sorry. And oh, how the sorries must have flowed from them. You show up to a bunch of folks who've wronged you big time and let nothing but peace, peace, peace flow from your lips. Peter proclaimed in Acts chapter 5, the God of our fathers raised Jesus. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance. To give repentance. That's what Peter's proclaiming in Acts 5 because that's what he'd experienced in John 20. When Jesus said to him and from him to you and to me and to the whole world, you don't have to hide. You don't have to tell yourself a good guy, good girl story. You don't have to not be a sinner. You are. But more, you're my friends and my sisters and my brothers. Hear my peace, you See these wounds and rejoice that all your sins lie deep within them before you even do them. Feel my forgiving breath. Breathe it in. And then breathe it out wherever you go. You know, I bet you can think of some person or people from whom you desire the gift of repentance. And if you think a little harder... You can probably think of some folks who really need it from you. I can. Some people who probably look at me and think, man, he makes it really hard for me to say I'm sorry. Today and this week, think a little bit about who those people are. And think a lot bit about those wounds and that breath and that Jesus is your friend and your brother and that he hasn't gasped or flinched a single time all the years he's known you. And then let your heart sing and see what happens. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.